0: man. Come on, give God a hand, praise. Come on, give God a hand, praise. Amen. Hallelujah. Listen, my little brother is here. Will you guys give God a hand, praise for Dr. Professor Dr. Sean Fletcher. It's my youngest brother in the house. Came down to hang out for a little bit and he grew a beard and some gray hair and it's good to have him in the house. We're super godly proud of him and I mean, we're just proud, period. You know, we're just happy for him. And uh, got a chance to break away, left the wife and the kids at home to come and see about his other brother. And hanging out with Brian that many of you guys know, who celebrated a birthday yesterday. So we are grateful uh, to have you in the house this morning, sir. God bless you. Give God a hand of praise for my youngest, youngest blood brother. My youngest blood brother. The boy is bad. I'm not talking about bad meaning bad, but bad meaning good. Amen. Amen. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, when you got it, shout, I got it. Um, very familiar set of scriptures, uh, but I want to read them in, in full context with, um, um, with the way that Paul was speaking to the church at Ephesians. We're doing a series called It's Amazing. Somebody shout, It's Amazing. We're doing a series called "It's Amazing," and we have been just reviewing the amazing ways that God has been, the ways that God has been amazing to us. Taking some time to think about how amazing God has been to us, and in, and uh, in spending the month of March leading into um, our Easter season, or our Resurrection Sunday season, to reflect on on uh, uh, how amazing God has been to us. So let's start reading that verse eight, because today we're going to talk about. Um, God's amazing grace. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand. Somebody shout beforehand. Say that again. Say beforehand. That we should walk in them created good works that he has prepared beforehand. Somebody shout beforehand that we should walk in them. Walk in what? Walk in our good works. He has prepared beforehand. Somebody shout beforehand. He has prepared rather beforehand that we should walk in them. Uh, I want you to find three people real quick and just tell them God is in full control. God is in full control. God is in full and total control. God is in full control. God is in full control. Now I want you to find somebody else, and I want you to tell them God's grace has been none short of amazing. Now, Father, in the name of Jesus, I do bless you. I do bless you. And I give you the praise. And I give you the glory. And I give you the honor. And, God, I pray that you would give us the kind of anointing that allows hearing the gospel to be easy, allow us to receive the gospel easily. Father, send us an anointing that allows me to preach the gospel in such a way that there is clarity and understanding and that our lives will transform and change. Father, I pray that when we leave here today, we would never be the same, but we would find reason to honor you in the amazing grace that you've given us. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Somebody shout amen. Amen. Smile at somebody on your way to your seat and say, it's just church. It's okay. It's just church. Tell them to smile. It's just church. It's just church. Uh, help me by shouting Grace. I'm going to talk to you about grace today and um, while we're talking about the, of the amazing things that God has done in our lives, his grace toward us is none short of perhaps the most amazing of the things that God has done. I'm going to push your envelope, I'm going to challenge your psyche, I'm going to I'm going to move on your intelligence. I'm going to rattle and shake your theology while we talk about God's grace. Because when you leave this place today, I want you to leave here knowing that one you live and you, and you live off of grace. And two, there is a tremendous responsibility that we owe to the giver of grace. And three, that there is a great tremendous joy that's associated with walking by grace. I want to talk to you with grace and and somewhat juxtapose it with faith here in a few moments. And then at some point, I also want to talk about faith and challenge what we've been taught to believe about faith, or excuse me, about grace. Because grace is God's secret weapon, if I can use that terminology. It's God's secret weapon. It's the way that God has entered you into a promise, It is the way that God has entered you into his purpose. It's the way that God has entered you into destined places in him through grace. Somebody shout, I've got grace. Of many things, you're going to have a lot of things when you get saved. You're going to have rescue, and you're going to have security, and you're going to have salvation. These are things that God gives. He also gives grace. You cannot, in the litany of blessings that God offers us, forget to remind yourself that we are walking and living by the grace of God. In fact, the scripture t- shows us and teaches us that you can't even exercise the faith for salvation without grace. This is the power of grace. So what is grace? Well, let's talk about that for a minute, and then let's be challenged by how many of us have been taught to pursue grace. How many of you were taught that grace is the unmerited favor of God? Wave your hand. That's the easiest, simplest definition to describe grace, that it is the unmerited favor of God. And in a sense, that is a very true definition, albeit it is a very basic definition because grace is a challenging concept. When God says that his thoughts are higher than our thoughts, his ways are higher than our ways, I think that the theologians have somehow figured out things that God uh, in the scripture has not really helped us figure out. So we've got definitive definitions on concepts that are supposed to be higher than our thoughts and higher than our ways. But some kind of way somebody went to school for four years and now we got God in a book. God is bigger than any book we'll write. God is bigger than any concept we'll come up with. And when we study God, all we are really doing is expressing our observed experience with God. And every person has a unique and a different observed experience with God. So it is very difficult for you to take anybody's perception or perspective of God as fact and as the definitive experience that they walk with God in. So God gave us the Bible so he could talk about himself because he knew that if you and I had a chance to tell the world about him, we would limit the world's perception, perspective rather, of how amazing he really is. So he wrote to us about himself. I'm going to mess with y'all this morning. Y'all are ready to be messed with? He wrote about himself and he put it all in the Bible. And the word of God says that we have enough pertaining to goodness, uh, to godliness, we have enough pertaining to righteousness and godliness meaning that with your bible you've got enough to to understand how to be made right and to be godly in your journey now can i really mess with your theology is that god is bigger than your bible there is more to god than what is in your bible God did not put all of himself, he put enough of himself pertaining to righteousness and godliness that we can meet him and we can understand him as it relates to our human earthly experience with God. The Bible is for us, but God is bigger than your Bible. So when, you get your, so when, you, when you're done doing all of your theological exercises and all of your theological learnings, remember to leave room for God to be bigger than that. Somebody say, he's bigger than that. Whatever your perception is, he's bigger than that. The writer said, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Magnification has everything to do with perception, meaning that now I have to perceive God a particular way in order for me to magnify him. And that is based off your lens and your experience and the way that God has expressly moved and operated in your personal private life that God would be amazing to you. So when I talk to you about grace, I I have to speak to you about grace outside of the box of the way us preachers have taught you grace was. When you talk about grace, and the Bible calls it the unmerited favor of God, let's work with that definition because merit is, uh, is a sense of ability. When we talk about the merit of something, we are talking about within a person's ability. So what this Bible, what the definition is now saying is that God's grace is an unmerited or on uh, a, a something that God has given you that is not connected to your ability. So whatever your ability is and whatever you perform in your ability, that's not what produces God's grace. Did you, did you stay with me? We have, we, whatever you have done, whatever you have produced, that is not the measuring stick by God determined how much grace he would lend towards your life. So unmerited, unworked, unearned, un, un, unparticipated in, you didn't perform for the grace that God is going to get that God gave. So it is an unmerited favor. Now, favor might be the best part of this whole definition because the Greek word for uh, grace is connected to the word for gift, k- Kairos, or which is the root word for charisma, which is where we get the word gift from. So when the Bible talks about the character charismatic gifts of the scripture. He is speaking about giftings that are given to us by the Holy Ghost. Charismatic, charis, which is grace, gifts of grace. So now the New Testament uses the word charis and it calls favor a gift. Somebody shout favor is a gift. So now favor is a gift. So it is so now if favor is the unmer- if grace rather is the unmerited favor then it's not just something I didn't earn it was something that was given to me as a gift. Now stay with this definition because I want to keep adding layers to it. The Hebrew word is hen h i n h e n depending on who writes it and they don't necessarily use the word grace in the Old Testament they use the word favor. Somebody shout favor favor and grace can be interchangeably used in the Old Testament. When God went to God, went to, when Moses rather went to God, he told God that if our, your people have favor in your sight, then stay with us through this journey. When he said favor, he used the word hen, which meant grace. In other words, he was saying that God, if your people have grace in your sight, if we have grace by you, if you have done grace with us, keep, stay in your presence with us. If we have, in other words, when we talk about hen or, or grace, It is is linked to the concept of of a pardon or favor. So now favor, which is transliterated as grace, favor now is the idea that God has pardoned something. Because to show favor is to grant a pardon. I'm going to help you understand what a pardon is. What a pardon is is to set somebody free from something that they're guilty of. All right, I'm going to talk to this class over here. Uh, when we talk about favor, if grace is unmerited favor, favor that we didn't earn, and favor is hin or, or, or a pardon for a thing, that a pardon is to be released from something that you've been found guilty of. So at the base, what grace is, part of grace, is that you have been given favor. Part of favor is that you have been released from something you're guilty of, which means that grace is being released from something that you're guilty of. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, I need you to understand why we got to this definition, because theologically speaking, you have been found guilty of something. And grace gives God the opportunity to give you a pardon for whatever you've been found guilty of. That pardon is the favor of God, or it is the grace of God. Grace is a favor, and favor is God doing you a favor. When God gets ready to do grace on your life, he's getting ready to do you a solid. When God's getting ready to put grace in your life, he's getting ready to hook you up. When God starts moving in favor, he's getting ready to take the sting out of something, watch this, that you're guilty of. Yeah, or you're following me now. Now, I can't preach to everybody. I can only preach to people that's been guilty of some stuff. You won't, y'all won't, you ain't going to shout in here if you ain't been guilty of nothing. I, balcony, y'all with me this morning. You're not going to say amen if you ain't been guilty of nothing. If you hold the religious space that I am now without issue in my life, then you ain't going to understand grace. Because grace is only for people that need a pardon. It's only for folks that need a pardon. And a pardon is to need... A hookup from God to get me off the hook for something I'm guilty of. Yes. So this is grace. Somebody shout grace. grace. This is grace. It is the hookup. It is, it is God cushioning. It is God pardoning. It is God, uh, uh, it is God releasing me of something that I have rightfully been found guilty of. Now let me help you understand how this works. Is that when we talk about grace, New Testament conversation, when we talk about grace, it is a, it's a legal terminology. So now what God is doing is he is not just setting things up in the spirit. He's setting things up legally in the spirit. So God comes and he understands that in earth and in this world, in the spiritual world, there is someone that is judging your life. But whoever is judging your life has to at some point yield himself to God. And God releases us to be at bay to the things that judge our life. And the things that judge our life create a sentence for us. And sometimes we live under the sentence of the thing that is judged. Or we live by grace. I'm going to help you understand this. In the state of California, when a judge, a jury, convicts you of a crime, the judge gives you a sentence, three years in prison. The only person that has the ability to release you from from your peers, the sentence of your peers, is not the judge, it's the governor. The person that has a higher authority over the judge is the one that has to sign off on anything that releases you or pardons you from the crime that you committed. The reality is that pardons work like this. Pardons could be that the, ju- the, the governor, for whatever reason, has looked at your situation and said, I'm going to do them a solid because he served enough time, and I'm going to release him from the rest of his sentence. And the judge, can, and I'll write a letter to the judge, and the judge will have to release you from your prison. Now, you can be guilty. You could be not guilty. It doesn't really matter. Because once your peers give you a sentence, you are, and the judge gives you a sentence, you are doomed for the rest of your journey to finish that sentence. The only person that can change that is the governor. The judge can have a change of heart and want to change it, but they have to go through me in order for them to change it. Now, what God does is when, you, get, when you can be guilty, you can be innocent. If you're innocent, the judge can still keep you in jail. I can see it and override it. Or you could be guilty of sin, and the judge want to release you, and I keep you there. Or the judge wants to keep you there, or I release you. I'm making this complicated for a reason. Stay with me now. Because what happens now is, this is grace is no longer a conversation between you and the judge. Grace is a conversation between the governor and the prisoner. What the governor does when he gets ready to pardon somebody is he exits out the ruling and, of the, and the power, essentially the power of the judge, and goes directly to the source, and he exercises his power and pulls you out of whatever sentence you were a part of, whether you were guilty or not guilty. This is the way favor works, is that in the earth, the devil is going to judge your life every chance you get. When you commit sin, a crime, whatever it is, the devil is going to put you in the prison of your problem rightfully so for some of us in this room maybe you shouldn't have a marriage maybe you shouldn't have children maybe you shouldn't have a business maybe you should because the stuff you've done in your past might have warranted you not to even have freedom but the problem is is that the devil who is the judge of your time here on earth has to have conversation with the God of your life who is the governor of your life and when God gets ready to to show you when he gets ready to show you favor he doesn't consult with the judge he just shows up into your prison and said it's time for you to come out this is the way grace works somebody shout i'm living by grace We'll say, oh, I got pardon. You know, you didn't just get pardon. You just got the grace of your God who came into your life and moved all of the haters to the side, moved all the judgment to the side, moved all of the sinners to the side, moved all of your issue to the side, and said that for whatever reason, I'm pulling you out and you're coming with me. That's grace. Somebody shout grace. Can I keep adding to grace? Grace gets more convoluted because grace has nothing to do with whether you're guilty or not. Grace is a merit of God. When God gets ready to show you grace, it is all based off of his meritology, not ours, meaning that we don't get to tell God what we have done so good that he ought to show us grace. Because if the rule, if the Bible is correct, we cannot do anything good enough for God to grant us this kind of grace. So whether I'm right or whether I'm wrong, when God gets ready, it is off of his decision for my life that he'll issue me the grace to pull me into his Salvation. I'm going to help somebody in here because some of you in here have been working so hard thinking that if I just keep on coming to church all the time, if I keep on feeding the poor, if I keep on laying hands, that God is going to do me a solid and he's going to bless my life and pull me out of circumstances. God doesn't work like that. God has his own will and you are not going to be able to perform a task that makes God says, I owe you. This is why the Bible says that salvation or that, that uh that we are saved by grace because of grace, rather through faith. for it is a gift. Somebody shall gift. It is a gift of God, least any man should boast. What does boast mean? It means to brag. This is God's way of saying that the pardon that I am about to give to you is going to be my gift to you, and you are not going to be able to brag about the gift that I gave to you. I'm going to remove your actions out of the way, and I, God, am about to take control of this leg of your life. Has God ever taken control of a leg in your journey before has yeah. ya Y'all not being real enough. I need somebody that found themselves in a messed up situation and God said, I got this. I got this. You found yourself. Watch this. You found yourself in the litany of responsibility for the poor decisions you made. But God said, I got this. I got this. I got. And you look at God like, but I did do it. God said, I don't care. I got this. I got. But God, I said it. He said, but I got this. This is what grace is. It is God saying, I got this. And we could never meet a standard of God or complete any task that God has put in our lives if we didn't have this grace that God has placed over our lives. Somebody shout, I got grace. Somebody shout, I got grace. I, I'm going to help you understand this because there are two ex- polarizing extremes about grace, the way that religion has taught us to look at God. Uh, if, if, if a man, uh, if a woman uh, looks over at her husband one day and she gets up and she goes to work and she decides while she's at work that I'm going to take my husband to Ruth's Chris. And after work, she comes home and she says, hey, baby, don't go home. Why don't you meet me downtown um, right outside of Ruth's Chris? And when he pulls up, she takes him upstairs uh, into in Ruth's Chris and she says, Get whatever you want and order whatever it is that you desire that you want. Uh, he says, go ahead, be, be free. She calls the waiter over. Hey, t- t- whatever he wants, make sure he has it. There are going to be a couple of things that go through that guy's head. This is the way religion taught us. One of the things that goes through the guy's head is going to be, what did I do? That's going to be the first thing. You're going to be like, well, okay, well, what, what am I going to do? What did I do and, and how should I respond to this? What, what did I do is the first question that we start to ask God when God's grace starts to rest on our lives. What happens now is very natural is he start, if he starts to realize that this is a season of grace, that she is being graceful to him, what he will naturally start to think about is all of the stuff he did for her. So she's paying me back because I washed the car, because I cleaned the dishes. She's paying me back because I helped her bring in the groceries. And she's showing me grace because of what I've done. This is the, a poor understanding of grace. Uh, because, uh, because grace is not what you do that God is repaying. And this is how we teach it to us in church that if I'm good, God's going to bless my life. And if I'm honorable, God's going to bless my life. And if my skirt is the right length, God is going to bless Bless my life and if my language is good, God is going to bless my life. Grace doesn't work like that. Grace is not because you wash the dishes I'm buying you dinner. Grace is whether you wash the dishes or not. we was going to have dinner tonight. Y'all missed that. Y'all missed that. Grace is whether you was good to me or not, we was going to watch. This is not a payment for what you did. Grace, if you do something to get grace, that is called a transaction, not grace. It is not a gift if you did something to get it. That's why he said my grace is a gift. Somebody shout gift because God doesn't want you to have to participate in how much he wants to show grace over your life. If it was repayment, stay with me now, if it was repayment, then that means that I am paying you equal to what you performed for me. And just be honest, did you really give God the praise today that he really deserves for all he's done in your life? If God paid you according to that lazy praise you gave him during the worship scene... Are you hearing what I'm saying? But God has blessed your life so tremendously above and beyond exceedingly and abundantly all that you can ask or think not because of what you did but because he's a God that operates by grace. Somebody shout I'm living by grace. Stay with me now because I'm almost finished with the definition and we're going to go home. What he happens with grace now is the one extreme says that perhaps I have done something, meaning that I'm going to participate, I participated in this blessing. That's not what's going to happen. The other extreme of it is, "I deserve this. The other extreme is that I deserve what is happening for me. I have done things, and this is what God should be doing in my life. Have you ever been there before? I know y'all saying no, but I'm going to help you because you have. Uh, If you've ever found yourself in a scenario where you've been praying to God, saying, I did everything you told me to do, you have to add that to God. God, everything I've done, everything I know how. That's that's your prayer. You know what prayer that's essentially saying is I did something and you owe me. That's the, I know you don't want to believe that you, that you pray to God like that, but that's the way God hears it. God hears you say, I, you owe me, that, I, that the grace that you're giving me is based off of something that I have performed for you. Now, that cannot be a gift. If you had to dance for it and I get paid the admission, we've done a fair transaction. And this cannot be the case because God, see, what would happen if the man left the dinner and realized that she bought me dinner not because I I, I pay I, I clean the house once he realizes that the dinner wasn't bef- because I paid the house then he will begin to feel some kind of way about what he did or did not contribute to getting it this is becomes the problem in the body of Christ is that we look at it as a transactional move between God and when God doesn't show up the way we anticipated we're disappointed because I washed the house she should buy me dinner and if she doesn't buy me dinner next time I wash the car the car then she then something must be wrong in the way we've done it. God doesn't work like that. Say that after me. God doesn't work like that. Say that again. God doesn't say that one more time. God God doesn't work. Why? Because Paul said that my righteousness is that a filthy rag to God. He says I count everything I've done as dung before God and Paul has done more than almost any of us in this room as it relates to moving the gospel forward and pleasing God and he said that whatever I do and perform is not going to be good enough for the standard that God has operated for me. So I cannot be in a trade-off with God I must be walking in the grace of God which means that everything that God has done for you has been so miraculous so powerful and so God based that you cannot take the credit for being as blessed as you are I need somebody that's blessed and know that God's behind why you're blessed to raise your voice and give God a shout of praise You're, I said give God a shout of praise you are blessed and you don't deserve to be this blessed you are blessed and you didn't earn this blessing but when God says I'm going to do grace over your life you can look back at all the haters of your life and give God a shout of praise because I'm here by God's grace turn me up Watch this now. Watch this now. Now, I need you to understand the way that Paul starts this conversation. Is He says that we are saved. Somebody shout, I'm saved. And, and it's the grace that, that makes the pathway so that we can have faith. God, uh, this is so amazing to me. The Bible teaches us this about being saved. It says, no man comes to the Father unless the Spirit of God draws. Paul also says that there is no man that can say, Lord, Lord, without the spirits intervening. In other words, that means that this idea of being saved is not a concept that you would have originally opened your heart to, meaning that when God said that I want you to come and walk with me, that is not something you would have conceived in your thinking. I feel my help now. He says you would not have conceived this in your thinking, meaning, in other words, that if God stood before you in the form of Jesus Christ himself and you did not have grace to open up your faith, Gene, you would look right at God and keep on walking like many of us have. But if by chance your eyes become open and you say This must be God working in my life. That is a move of the Spirit of God that has given you grace in order for you to have faith. So God is saying that you can't even have faith to believe me if there is no grace from me for you to have faith to come to me. Jesus, help me in this place. You, God, help me. When I came to Jesus, you ain't come to Jesus. Jesus came to you. And then, when I found the Lord, you didn't find the Lord. The Lord found you. Y'all are not talking back to me in here. I wish I had some help in here. I need some folk that God came to the club and got. I need some folk that God took out of somebody's bedroom and God. I need some folk that was so arrogant that you didn't think you needed God to raise your voice because the only way you realized that it was God was the grace of God fell on you and now you had faith to believe. Somebody shout, "I'm living by grace." Watch this now. He says this. He says, "I want you to get this." He says, "So now it is by it is by faith, is by grace through faith that we are saved. Not that any man should boast. For it is the gift of God. It is the gift of God. It is the gift. It is the gift. It is the gift. It is His willingness, His desire to give it. I, 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 there is no metric for how God has made His choices of who He's going to favor and who He has it. The theologues can't figure that out. The preachers and the pastors can't figure that out. You, but none of us can figure it out. So don't." you let some crazy prophet come over your life and tell you what you got to do in order for God to be blessed by you tell them I got the grace of God on me and give me some direction and instruction but don't try to control my life with your prophecy you can keep it because I got the grace of God on my life somebody shout I'm living by grace now the thing about grace is that it is all a merit of the person that wants to give you the pardon there is nothing you can do nothing you can perform nothing you can earn all it is is just it is the grace so now the other issue of their spectrum of the extreme is that when grace is given and we have figured out that it's not a transaction the other thing we try to do on the other end of grace is we try to perform so that the grace can continually stay and hover over our heads as we look at grace and say well I didn't, perform, I didn't work and earn this so I'm not I, obviously uh, God has loved me and he's given me grace so I'm at the other end of the spectrum and the other end of the spectrum never lets me rest in God's grace is there anybody in here that kind of grew up the way I grew up I don't tell you what your church experience is but in my church experience I was so afraid of God that when I go to bed at night I'd be like God you got to forgive me of my sins before if any thoughts should come up while I'm praying Lord, while I'm sleeping Lord Holy Ghost you got to drag them out you couldn't hardly sleep at night because you was afraid that hell would catch you in the middle of the night. Y'all ain't sanctified if y'all didn't grow up like that. You know, if I said a bad word, if I had a bad thought, lay in my head, and, and you just had no joy in being saved. You were saved, but you wasn't happy. We was like the most unhappy people. Y'all didn't grow up me am I by myself just not happy because I didn't understand grace. Because nothing in my sociological experience made me believe that God would that anybody would give me something that I didn't have to work for so I had to work for it all the time on this end and I couldn't rest in my pardon I could not rest because at any moment God was going to throw me back in jail at any moment God was going to snatch the blessing at any moment he was going to take the healing am I preaching am I talking but can I tell you that we lied to you if we preach that to you you serve a God that when he made the decision to give you grace he He did not make the decision contingent to. He made the decision on his own merit. Watch this, and you don't get to undo what God has decided. Oh, I wish I was preaching to somebody that almost gave up. I need you to raise your voice and give God a shout because you don't get to undo what God has determined. Now stay with me now because we leave chapter we leave verse 10 out of the conversation and out of the equation. Most of the time we stop the dialogue as it relates to being saved and being uh, and having grace, but we forget the final verse. Verse 10 is the verse that is really the kicker because this is included in the conversation. He helps us understand that we have been made the workmanship of God and we have been made to do good works. We have been made for good works before the foundation of the earth. We have been made before the foundation of the earth for the purpose of good works. Now this is important. That means that now whenever God decided that he was going to set his grace upon whatever merit he decided he was going to issue his grace to it was not just so you could get to heaven. That's part of it. Thank the Lord I get to get to heaven. But it wasn't the whole of just getting to heaven. It was so that we can do good work while we're here in earth in the name of our Savior so now I have been given this pardon and this grace I have been released from the prison of sin so that I can do good work for the sake of my Savior in other words what happens now is God I love God because God is just so different than the church and religion God is just God that's why I love God and I don't always love church I love the people that go to church. I'm talking about the system of church. You know, sometimes the system of church, we've got to keep you in these silos to keep you coming. So we keep you a little scared. And I've got the secret. So I give you a little bit of the secret so that you're not so scared this week. And then you got to come back next week and I give you a little bit more of the secret. Well, God gave me a secret to tell you that there ain't no secrets. The secret is Jesus Christ and him crucified. And if you can accept By his grace, through faith, for salvation, you don't have to go through the preacher, the prophet, the prayer. Y'all are not talking back to me anymore. You don't have to play the game of church. Now, stay with me because I'm I'm almost done with you today, and I'm going to let you go home. But I want you to see he created you beforehand. Somebody shout beforehand. Say beforehand. He created you beforehand. Now, that's a, that's a critical part of this entire soliloquy is that you we were created to do good works beforehand. Somebody shout beforehand. That means that before you got here, there was an idea that God had about your life. He created you for good works beforehand. Somebody shout beforehand. He created you for good works beforehand before you got here he created you for good works in other words like he told the prophet before I formed you in your mother's womb I my God I I ordained you for some stuff I had thoughts about you I was I wouldn't have created you if I didn't have purpose for you Uh, for everybody that think you just here just to be alive God's got other things he could do with his good air than for you to just suck it up and not do nothing with your life the devil is a lie God will Thinking about you before he performed you. Man is the only one that creates without preparation. God prepares then he creates god help me in this place so before god created you he prepared a purpose for you now the problem with that purpose that god has created is that when we come into this earth we come into this earth with a bend to sin i know we don't teach that anymore sin is the new cuss word in church but we we come into this word world with a bent Toward sinning meaning that we have been formed and shaped in iniquity that's what your bible says when I got here something was wrong with me when I got into this place I was bent the opposite direction nobody had to teach me how to lie they had to teach me how to tell the truth nobody had to teach me how to be stingy they taught me how to share nobody had to teach me to think bad thoughts they Taught me how to think good thoughts. So I came into this world bent toward a, a, a disposition of sin I came into this world with damage so I'm damaged by sin but the diff, the problem is the conundrum inside of you is that beforehand God created you to do good works in the earth so now you have inside of you both the destiny and the damage and, and some kind of way you've got to bring the destiny out while you're damaged am I talking to any damaged folk in this place today. I I can't preach to you if you got it all together. I'm only talking to the folk that's got a little bit and brokenness and a little damage that felt like quitting and giving it up. The ones that was guilty. I'm talking to you this morning. I want to preach. Am I talking to anybody or am I by myself? You got both damage and destiny on the inside of you. And the power of grace is it allows your destiny to come forward even while you're still damaged. God, I need somebody that's broken but still moving in the right direction to raise your voice and give God a shout of praise. Help me, Bill. I said give God a shout of praise. I'm, I'm, oh, God. See? this is what the devil didn't want you to find out that i can be damaged on my way to destiny i can be broken on my way to my next level i can be bruised but still be used by god that's what the devil didn't want you to understand but grace somebody shout grace grace, grace. god did you a favor and he said I'm going to take care of what was messing with your life and even though you're broken you're still going to your next level even though you're hurting you're still going to act like you're healed even though you're last you're going to move forward like you're the head I need somebody that that is a recipient of God's grace to raise your voice and give God a shout of praise I said give God a shout of praise. I said give God a shout of praise. He's been too good for you. There's too much grace on your life to be this messed up. There's too much grace on your life for you to give up. There's too much grace on your life. Throw the suicide note away. Give the witch and the warlike back their curse. you got God's grace on your life. and your Your next days will be your best days because grace gave you a second chance. Somebody give God a shout of praise. I said give God a shout. Raise your voice in the balcony and give your God the best praise that you can. I need you to shake somebody's hand. It's is good grace. It's good grace. It's good grace. I'm broken, but I got grace. I don't have no money right now, but I got grace. I don't have my degree, but I got grace. I messed up last night, but I got grace. I blew it last season, but I got grace. And as long as I got grace, I got a second chance at life. As long as I've got grace, I'll do it again. As long as I've got grace, there's a pathway for me to get to destiny because God's grace Where are my people that's got grace on their life? Raise your voice and give God the best praise. Grace, 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 grace. But I did it, so what grace? But I'm not smart enough, you got grace. But I made a mistake, you got grace. But I'm damaged, but you still got destiny. You ought to tell your neighbor you had destiny before you had your damage. God. He said, before you got here, I gave you destiny. When you got here, you picked up your damage. I had my destiny before I had my damage. So I'm not gonna let my damage mess up my destiny because greater is he that is in me than he that I picked up when I got to the world. Somebody with destiny over your life, raise your voice and give God a shout. My God today, now I want you to understand about this grace, stand to your feet, we're going home. But I want you to understand something about this grace is that this is not just a grace that'll get you to heaven, praise God that it does. But it's the same kind of favor that you can take into your marriage. You can take this favor into your job. You can take this favor into your sick body. You can remind your body that I got too much grace to spend my whole life on medication. I've got too much. God, help me in this place. I need somebody. He said, I gave you the grace to have faith. I need somebody to open up your faith and start believing at the level of your grace. Does grace give me the license to take it for granted? No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. It doesn't give you the license to take it for granted, but that is the extreme of grace. So, if everybody that wants you to live by the law, they automatically go to that conversation about grace. That you're going to take it for granted now. Most people won't take grace for granted when they understand their part in it, that we don't have a part, and that whatever's been operating over your life is God's merit for your life, not your effort. That doesn't mean that you give no effort. It means that I give my best effort because he's been working over my life without my approval. He's been saving me without my approval. He's been dodging bullets without my approval. He's been keeping my mind without my approval. He's he's been keeping harm and hurt away from me without my approval. And while I don't love myself, he loves me more than I love me, and he's kept me alive. Without my approval. And all he was waiting for was for you to get to the house today. So that you could hear this word on grace. And you can see. You can see that his approval is really all I need. His approval. How will I ever pay you back, God? I don't know how. And I won't. I, my father is one of the best examples of faith, of grace, that I know. It's like you're not going to out-bless my father. You cook my dad dinner, he's going to want to do the dishes. You do the dishes, he's going to want to put them away. You put them away, he's going to say, where's your mop? You start mopping, he's going to say, I'll change the water. And then when you tell him, you don't have to do this. You don't have to pay me back for my dinner. He's like, I ain't paying you back for that dinner. He's like, I appreciate that dinner, that was great. I'm not paying you back for the dinner. He said, but, but when you do good by me, it makes me want to do good by you. I don't know what it is. It's just something that just makes me. And that's the way grace works properly. Is when you understand That he's doing good by you. It makes you want to get up and say, how do I, how do I, how do I, God, how do I, where do I, show me how. But you don't get this grace. You're not going to get this grace in the book. You're not going to get this grace because I preach so good. I'm going to tell you who gives this kind of grace. Me and my brothers went deep sea fishing yesterday. No, none of us know nothing about no fishing. We from St. Louis. Should have went and played basketball. But anyway. We went DC fishing yesterday and there was a young man on the boat, who was next to me. He's probably about twenty years old. And we were getting ready to head out toward our fishing spot. And the water was very choppy yesterday. And it was a little bit early. And, you know, we were he was hungry and the kitchen didn't open up downstairs for, you know, till we got to our First stop, and this guy, he pulls out a ham sandwich that he made at home out of his bag, and he starts eating the sandwich. And then he starts chomping on his chips, and he rolled his chips up, put them in his pocket. And a few minutes later, he pulled out his little sandwich and started eating it. So one of the shipmates came by and said, hey, bro, you probably don't want to eat that sandwich until we get to the place where we stop the boat, because it's going to be. The kid said, okay, okay, okay. Chip hand goes on. He pulls the sandwich out, starts eating it again. The guy comes around, he says, bruh, I'm telling you, you don't want to eat that sandwich. While we on the journey, you wanna wait till we stop. He said, okay, 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 okay. No problem. A few minutes later, I hear his chip bag. <laughs> I say, bruh, you sure you wanna eat that those chips right now? I know they said it's about 45 minutes before we get to our our journey, but I don't know that much about fishing, and he does, so we should probably all listen to him. I says, okay, 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 okay. You know, he stopped eating his food while we're on our way out there. (gasps) He starts throwing up. He's throwing up so much, he's giving that dry heave throw up. <laughs> Y'all ever had that throw up? Y'all, anybody in here had that throw up? Wave your hand at me. Amen. Did you have it fishing? I know the other way you got that throw up there. So, so anyway, he said, <laughs> he's, th- he's leaning on the side of the boat. <laughs> and he's throwing up dinner from last night. Ah, I look over and I go get him a quick Gatorade And I'm like man this ain't a good look I'm like you alright He's like yeah man I'm okay Ah, He's throwing up Give him a Gatorade The guy comes The ship hand comes Looking at him like But he never said it The brother was looking down At the boat And we were just going And the boat's going and he's leaning over the side and he's throwing up and the shipmate says, hey man, don't look down at the bottom of the boat. He says, look up. He said, okay, I can't. I can't. He says, I can't. I'm trying to. He says, don't look at the boat. He says, this is what I want you to do. He said, you see that rock out there? He said, I want you to look up and look at the top of that rock. He said, and that's going to calm your stomach down. <laughs> and after a few minutes, he was staring at the top of the rock, and his stomach started calming down. The boat didn't stop moving. But when he looked to the hill, I'm gonna help y'all. When he looked to the, when he stopped focusing on his situation and started looking to the rock of his salvation, y'all are not talking back to me. The ship didn't change, but he did. Grace is God's ability to change your life when your life doesn't change. you gotta look to the rock of your salvation y'all are not talking back to me in there because life shifts but he doesn't he said the God over Israel never sleeps nor slumber he said I don't take time off he says I'm a rock and when you fall off he said just look up and find me he said when you get caught in your circumstance I've given you the grace to find me and I'll calm stuff, even if I don't calm your circumstance. That's what grace is. It doesn't matter that he did not listen and ate. It didn't matter the mistakes he made by his ignorance or by his defiance. It didn't matter. The man says, my job is not to punish you. You punish yourself for eating. Well, my job is to help you out because of the damage and the destiny the damage and the destiny is in the same vessel. If I was praying for you, if I was preaching to you today, and you say, You know what? I give God praise for my grace, for the grace that He has over my life. But not only that, I've got to keep chasing the day, the destiny. On top of my damage, I want you to come down. I want to pray with you this morning. Just run out of your seat. I, this is a me thing. I'm not going to even call the altar workers. But if I was praying, if I was preaching to you and you're saying, Pastor, I just need a little bit of prayer today. I want you to come out of your seat. I want to pray for you. Come, 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 come. on, Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Move as quickly as you can. 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 Come on, press into the middle. Press into the middle. You can be great. Come on, come on, come on. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on. Come on. on. If you're not up here, will you help me pray for those that are here? Just punch your hands. Because the damage makes us want to quit. The shipwreck makes us want to walk away from it. The failure makes us want to pass on what God spoke. But the destiny that God spoke. He won't quit on what He said. He won't give up because He is not a man that He should lie, nor the Son of Man that He should repent. And when He created you and gave a word over you, He said, I'm not going to take it back because you made some mistakes. He says, I'm not going to throw away your destiny because you've had some damage.